I, I kind of struggle with what to call this. Um, so it's either, and you, you'll kind of make sense of this in just a moment. But it's, I'm going to either call it, I will not go down in silence, or, which is kind of different, but it's the same, and his name shall be called John. So you kind of saw some things in the video that really kind of go with this a little bit, and I didn't even realize that until I saw that again and thought, it's a good video. I just wanted to play it because I thought it was a good and timely and appropriate video for the season. Um, so you, you can kind of go to uh, the Bible in Luke 1 and kind of hang out there. I do have a couple of other scriptures. So Luke 1, the concentration for tonight is going to be on the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth and and. and John, but it kind of goes right into Luke 2, which is the story of Jesus and his birth. Um, but we're not going to get into a whole lot of that, but I, the Lord has kind of laid on my heart once again during this season. Um, you know, God does impossible things, doesn't he? And I, I hope that the crowd here tonight believes that because our unbelief can cause us to not say a word. And we start to actually um, get caught up in that. And we don't say anything because our unbelief, we can kind of hide um, our unbelief in theology and different things. Um, but I want to talk to you a little bit about the story of uh, Zacharias and, and Elizabeth. So, um, Psalm 115, I'm going to start in, but I want you to hang out in Luke 1. Make sure you have a place in Luke 1 because I'll be referring to that most of the time. So I, I just want to start by saying there are definitely times and there are definitely seasons in God when He does the impossible. He, he makes the impossible possible only through Him. Even though we, a lot of times, are in some of the worst positions imaginable, and I believe that everything that has happened and culminated up to this moment, we're kind of living still. Even though, you know, Pastor Joe's message this morning you know, we still need to be sober and vigilant, watching, being on our spiritual toes and seeing what's going on around the world. And as Jace even said last Sunday, when everyone's saying peace and safety and everything's cool, watch out. Because it's, it doesn't, it's not always how it appears and usually isn't. Um, so we have to make a, a choice. New Hope Church, the Church of Jesus Christ in this country and around the world, has to make a choice to believe God, to believe Him. And I hope that this speaks to you on a personal level tonight. So what comes out of our mouths is obviously the issues of our heart, like the Bible says. But what comes out of our mouth, we need to make sure that it's what God has spoken to us is what is coming out of our mouths. And we can't be quiet about it. We can't be silent about it because when we start to not believe things, we get quiet. We get silent when we operate in unbelief. Psalms fifteen seventeen says, The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. So in Hebrew, any that go down into silence actually means those who are dumb, who cannot speak. Okay, it's those who cannot speak. And in Psalm 115, earlier, that was verse 17, but earlier in 4 through 7 it says, their idols are silver and gold, the works of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes they have, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses they have, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet they have, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. 
So it's like all senses have been taken away. In other words, the unsaved make idols that have mouths but they can't speak and they trust in them and the idols that are really outside of the kingdom of God are left powerless. And what happens is unbelief can close our mouth. When we choose not to believe, it shuts us up. Okay? So along with unsaved, you know, people of another kind, they come into this moment of silence, this, this awkward silence, this strange silence in our Christian walk. Even though we are in the presence of God, even though we come to church, even though we may carve out some time, but it's kind of a cover-up for our unbelief a lot of times. And what happens is we lose our speech, we lose our fervency, we lose our song. The Bible says He gives me a new song. We lose our song, we lose our story, we lose our testimony. And we lose our sense of who God is. So in the book of Luke, chapter 1, it kind of paints a picture of what happens to a man who so seemed by people on the outskirts, this dude's a holy guy. He goes into pray, he goes into the innermost parts, he lights incense. He, you know, it's, it's obvious that we see that this guy has access to the things in God that we don't. He knows a lot. But then God dealt with him when he was in those inward parts. And we're going to see what happens. So go to Luke 1, 5 through 10. It says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren. And they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of people were praying with, without at the time of incense. So he had these privileges. He would go into the inner courts and he would pray. So it appears to be holy. Zacharias, it says, was a righteous man, an obedient man. He was appointed as a priest and given this privilege of going into the temple to burn incense. Things that other people just couldn't do, which is a type of prayer. A different type of prayer. A more intimate, a more fervent, a more connected type of prayer. As those on the outside in this situation could even see the incense maybe even coming out from under the curtain. They maybe knew he was in there. This guy's holy. This guy's righteous. Man, that guy's in there interceding and praying and hearing from God, maybe being given a vision from God. So maybe they would conclude, this dude's incredible in the eyes of God. And he, know, he knows so much more than we do. And here we are praying on the outside. This guy's got the inside scoop. Okay? So this is probably how he was viewed. Luke one eleven says, And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of incense. On the right side. Now when I think of the right side, I think that Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. The right's a powerful side. I think of Joseph and Jacob and Manasseh and Ephraim when they were blessing them. And the one that got the blessing from the right hand received the bigger blessing. So the right side is important here. Okay? 
So the right side symbolizes this side of strength. It's the right hand of God that Christ sits. So this speaks of God's willingness to give Zacharias what he couldn't attain through all of his religion. Okay? It's kind of like God was saying, I'm going to do something in your life that you cannot do for yourself. Isn't it nice to hear that from God sometimes? Because I have no ability. So in the same way, we can be as righteous as possible attending all the prayer meetings. We can even read the Bible until our eyes are crossed, right? Trying to learn, but there's still something that only God can do in our lives. Something that has to be supernatural. Something far beyond us as humans and how we are limited. So in Zacharias's case, his wife was barren. Okay? Zacharias's wife was barren. So he and Elizabeth were, were, they were both past childbearing years. But it was at that moment and at that point of hopelessness that God appeared through a messenger and said in Luke 1.13, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Now I want to put this in perspective for you. Because these are people that have been praying for a baby for a long time. So how do you think after 45 years of praying for a child, and now physically they shouldn't even be able to have a child, and God then comes and says, your prayer is heard. I mean, I don't know what Zacharias was thinking at that point. Now you answer my prayer of this? of how, We can't even have children at this point. And now you're coming to me after 45 years of praying, telling me that we're going to have a son? I don't know if he had an attitude, if he was like, your timing's way off, God. Can you kind of put yourself in his shoes, maybe? So Zacharias, I mean, he, he must have been taken back like, I'm 80 years old now. This doesn't make any sense at all. I'm 80 years old. I prayed that prayer when I was like 35. So you can imagine this situation. See, but you have to understand that God is an on-time God. And it's not on our time. It's in His time. So Luke 1, 13 through 17 says, and I, you need to catch some things here. Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. You need to remember that part. Thou shalt call his name John. His name will be John. And this is like God himself sending an angel telling Zacharias, your wife is going to have a child and you're going to call the baby John. So Zacharias now has this information. He now knows, okay, we are to call the baby John. He knows this now. And it says, And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I mean, there's not there's a lot, a whole lot of births were announced. You remember John and Jesus and Samson, and not everybody's birth was announced. So this is an important moment here. This is the guy that's going to prepare you the way of the Lord. Remember in the wilderness and all the baptisms. And John's going to announce this. And they're being born kind of at similar times. At the same time. And what happens 
is this is this is a promise. Okay? So Zacharias is here. Now he's in the temple the whole time this is happening. And God has sent an angel to tell him all these things in the temple. And everybody's outside the temple wondering what's going on inside the temple. And here Zacharias is getting this vision. In this message. Luke 1, 18-22 says, And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man. And my wife is well stricken in years. So here he goes saying, this, I know, we, I hear you, but I don't know. Timing's a little off here, Lord. And listen, this is what the angel said. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto you and to show you these glad tidings. And behold, Because of your unbelief, you will now be dumb. You will not be able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. What is going on in there? Some corrections, some chastisements, some consequences to Zacharias' unbelief. And when he came out, he couldn't speak unto them. So, okay, picture this. He comes out, he can't speak. What do you think the people are thinking? They're probably thinking, oh my goodness, this dude has heard from the Lord. It left him speechless. Like, what have you seen? I I have no words for it. It was so amazing. But that wasn't the case. The angel and the Lord agreed, we're going to shut his mouth because of his unbelief. And he's not going to be able to speak again until he comes into agreement with what we're telling him. Does this make sense? And I know you know the story, but I hope to maybe bring a little something to it tonight by the Spirit of God and the grace of God. And the people waited for Zacharias again, finishing 21-22, and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple, and when he came out, he couldn't speak, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. So they're thinking, oh yeah, but actually unbelief closed his mouth. You ever have that in your life? What has God been telling you? What has God been telling me? Do you have a call on your life? Ah, yeah, but I don't know if I could do that. It has nothing to do with you. It's just being obedient and coming to an agreement that, yes, God said it. He's going to perform it. And I agree with him. And I have no strength. That's the great part. And then God can do it. So what has God spoken to you? What has the Holy Spirit whispered to you in your life that you're walking away from, that maybe is dormant? In every one of our lives, there are these moments when God begins to speak something deeply. It's profound. It would be impossible unless God Himself did it. And this is a great thing. So we are at this crossroads, maybe in our lives, spiritually. We have to decide, am I going to believe God? Am I going to believe the the weaknesses and the frailties of my own efforts and attempts that I have. See, a lot of people, a lot of Christians, they start out with such promise and hope. And then you might look and say, well, you know, God, I hope whomever you do use or whomever you do send has great success. What about you? 
It's easy to believe for others. But what about you? So we understand what God is saying, and even we believe His Word to be true, but just not for us personally, maybe? So it's almost that we come to this conclusion that God has finally arrived at someone on the timeline of history that He can't use. You. You can use anybody else. I don't know about me. And your unbelief has silenced you. Because maybe you've stopped talking about God. Maybe you've stopped ministering and witnessing. Maybe your story, your testimony, and those things have kind of left or they've been on the back burner. You're just trying to get through life, a job, and raise kids. And, and it, it quiets us. It silences us until we come to the place where we can agree with God and what He has for our lives. This is a really encouraging story if you hang with me here. So what happens is this unbelief closes our mouth. Just as in Zacharias' case, we've, and, and we, we see this all the time in the house of the Lord. The pastor even mentioned it this morning about talents and gifts, and the majority of people just kind of sit on them, have no idea what's out in the congregation when these pews are filled, or even tonight. Who has what gift? Who has what talent? Who's sitting on what? Who's buried them? So we have these people, we, we have people that come in with great fervency, great zeal. We, we, we sing and we dance and we clap and every now and then we might get a message from the Lord and we maybe see somebody like leap or get excited or whatever. We get into the Bible, we gain more knowledge. We read about all these things and all these stories. The youth ministry is studying the story of, of Mary tonight and how God used a teenager in such an incredible way. You know, when we look at these things and we look at what God has done in the past and we have a really hard time believing these things for our own life. And then suddenly this song that's in our heart, it starts to grow more faint and more faint until eventually we're just left sitting in silence because of unbelief. So in that, I think that we're deceived. We deceive ourselves into thinking that somehow we, we come into a church and into a holy place of worship. It's good. We can talk ourselves into the fact that it's good. I'm doing a good thing here. But in reality, maybe unbelief has really gripped us. And we're sitting here going through the motions, but do we really believe that God can use me, you, And just like Lazarus or the little girl, the calling on your life is not dead. It's just asleep. It needs to be awakened. And we might think, man, everybody else has a story. Everybody else has a testimony, just like the angel said. Elizabeth gets pregnant. We know the story. It happens. But Zacharias is in a situation where he still can't speak. And kind of to add insult to injury in Zacharias' life, this is what happens in Luke 1, 40 through 43. One day, Elizabeth's cousin Mary comes to visit. We all know the story of Mary. She's a young virgin. She's pregnant with the Son of God. And then Elizabeth, who was past childbearing age, was now pregnant with a prophet who was going to announce the arrival of the Son of God. And you remember that Zacharias had more biblical knowledge than the two of those ladies put together. And his unbelief has silenced him. 
in this situation. He had more experience with God. He was closer to the altar than anyone had ever been in prayer and burning incense. And so Luke 1, 40-43 says, Mary entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art the thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? I mean, she's pumped. The mo- teenager versus someone that's probably in 60s, 70s, or 80s who can't have kids, and they're both pregnant together. Right? She's excited. You decide to bring the mother that's going to mother the Lord himself. And they're in my house. They're with me. We're breaking bread together. Wow! So she's excited. How do you think Zacharias felt? Breaking bread at the dinner table. Maybe some discussion broke out. And they're talking about what's going to happen and what's going on and the miracles that have happened and their visitations from angels and all kinds of things. And, you know, Elizabeth is pregnant. She's also filled with the Holy Ghost. The mother of Jesus has come to her. And she, she knows that. So she's very excited. So you can imagine they're just maybe sitting there talking and Mary's on one side, Elizabeth is on the other side. Maybe old Zach is in the middle. And they're chatting, having some conversation. Man, it's great. Isn't it exciting what the Lord is doing? Maybe Mary says. Elizabeth maybe could say, Oh, how amazing it is when God speaks. Man, when Gabriel came to me, I believed him and there was this fulfillment and this joy and this promise that had come into my life. And when Elizabeth would speak, she would say the same thing. She might say something like, man, I've been praying to God for 45 years, and now suddenly there's a stirring in my heart, and I knew that God had answered our prayer. And maybe they're like, yay, yay, and they're leaping and praising God, and then all of a sudden they're like, Zacharias, what do you think? Nothing. He can't speak. These two have agreed with the Lord. Zacharias has not. And unbelief has silenced him. Can you imagine? Imagine conversations when everybody else around you is talking about how great the Lord is and what He's done in their life and you haven't gotten your word, your prayer, your answer yet. Think about it. It's hard to rejoice with people if you don't really know the the faithfulness and the celebration that's in the Lord when He does answer. And even if it's not your will, you know He's answered, and you know it's God, we can still celebrate. But when that's happening to everybody else around us, it's difficult. It's difficult to come into agreement with the Lord. So I kind of wonder if Zacharias, like me sometimes, gets tired of people passing me by in the things of God. People that are excited, visionaries, passionate, enthusiastic, hungry for the things of God and maybe unbelief has silenced me. You might stop praying. Because we, we don't want to come into agreement that what God says is going to happen and that's the way that it's going to be. And I know that there are a lot of people in the church, especially on a Sunday morning, that maybe... 
who, who have known the Lord. Maybe for a season things were okay. Maybe you've gotten tired and you've gotten to a point where you're tired of being passed up by the young people. They're excited. Maybe to serve God to see what He has for them. But they don't have maybe nearly as much learning as you do in the Word of God, studying Scriptures. You might have the biblical knowledge. You might know all the Hebrew meanings. And you have, you have history with God. We have history. But then maybe right next to you is somebody that's young and really excited. And all they do is just simply believe that all things are possible to those who believe. It's just a simple faith. And maybe they have like a, a fraction of the knowledge that, that you have in the Word. But they're pressing into something that has maybe long passed us by. And the unbelief of maybe saying that, well, I don't know if God can do anything at this point. And we can hide our unbelief in coming to church. We can hide our unbelief in theology. We can hide our unbelief in Bible reading and worship and prayer. We can hide our unbelief in those things. And we might be able to study the Scriptures. We might be able to impress people. But maybe we're not growing an ounce in faith because of our unbelief. Maybe there's nothing in our life that would cause people to say, surely there is a God. How else could this have ever happened? Do people say that? about your life. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, remember that says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. See, by faith we understand that what God speaks, He can make happen. He can create it out of nothing. It doesn't matter if we're barren. It doesn't matter in the world if it's an impossible situation or, or if it's been empty and dry in our lives, even for generations past. If you look at your life and that's the way your father is and his father was, and you look at that and you might get discouraged and say, well, I'm destined and doomed to be this because that's how it's always been. See, it doesn't matter what other people have called you. Because God says, this is what I've called you. His name shall be called John, period. There, there, there's power in this. So this is what happened in Luke 1, 59. And we'll move through 60, 61 through 63. This is where John's tongue was loosed. So the baby was born and it came time for, for these two to dedicate him. And in Luke 1.59 it says, And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And I looked at this and I thought, And they called him Zacharias. Who's they? It's the people in the world that will say, Nothing's going to change. This is how it's always going to be for you. They called him Zacharias. There was a promise from the Lord through an angel. His name shall be called John. Man, this is, this is powerful and encouraging to me. 
They called him Zacharias after the name of his father. See, this is exactly what the world is going to do to us. They will call you by the name of your father. They will call you a drunk. They will call you a loser. They will call you somebody that will never get it together. They will call you somebody that is going nowhere. In other words, you are just like your father and his father and his father. You are just like your mother. This is how it's been all through history. It's been created all through your timeline, all through your pedigree. You are a failure, and that's how it's always going to be. And we will call you what your father is and what his father is. Nothing's ever going to change for you. This is how it's going to be carried on through your life. You will never be any different. You ever feel like this? That you're destined and doomed? This gets so encouraging to me. Luke one sixty said, and his mother answered and said, not so. He shall be called John. But see, she already knew that. She already agreed with that. But she recognized the fact that they were still trying to say, no, nope, his name's going to be Zacharias. We don't need Johns in our family. His name's going to be Zacharias. And they tried to control that. No, 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 no. We've been given a promise. His name shall be called John. So can you imagine Elizabeth starting to rise up and Zacharias still can't speak until he gets a hold of this? Oh, this is going to be good. So they would say, no, 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 no. This child has a different name from any other name that has ever been in this family. You might be the only one in your family that's breaking a generational curse. You are redeemed. And it stops here. So listen to this. Luke 1, 61 through 63 says, And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by his name, this name. And they made signs because he couldn't speak. They made signs to his father how he would have called him. And he asked for a writing table. We know the story. And he wrote saying, his, this is dad now. Dad's coming into agreement finally. And he says, his name is John. And they, the same they, all marveled. What? His name is John. So this is an amazing scripture because Zacharias finally agrees with God. He finally agrees with the Lord himself. He finally comes to this place of saying, whatever God calls it, that's what it is. Now I can't help but think about Peter when he, they lower the sheets of all the, the, the animals and, and they say, well, he says, I'm not going to eat that, it's unclean. And God says, don't you call unclean what I've called clean. Because, well, I don't believe it. I'm, I don't know if I'm really saved, and I don't know. And your unbelief quiets you. It silences you until you can come into an agreement with the Lord himself and say, God, whatever you call it, that's what it is. Yes, sir, his name is John. And they marveled. So in this case of our situation in the church and in Christianity, his name is Jesus. And he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the giver of life. It would be like those today maybe who might say, well, um, you may want to call me. They called, as far as the father situation, they're going to say over and over again, you will never be anything different. You will always be how it's always been. 
It's whatever God calls it. And I wrote a few things down. See, you may call me a coward, but God calls me an evangelist. You may call me selfish and unloving, but see, God calls me a husband. Maybe the protector of my house. Maybe a father for you. You may call me an imprisoned captive to sin, but God calls me free. You may call me depressed and weak, but God calls His joy is now my strength. Are you getting this? That we have to come into an agreement and agree with the Lord Himself. Because our unbelief is silencing us. You might call me alone and scared, but see, God calls that it will, He will never leave me, and I will more than a conqueror, and I am brave. You have to start believing whatever God calls it, that's what it is. Not what we can come up with. And until we agree with that, we might not have a voice for God. Man, but when we start to agree, I, you, you might call it, my, my marriage is over, but see, God says all things are possible. You may call me a recovering alcoholic or a drug addict, drug addict but I'm not recovering anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ. And when you start to believe that and agree with God, He will open your mouth just like he did for Zacharias. This is encouraging to me. Isn't it great that God says it's never too late? Luke one sixty four says, And his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue was loosed, and he spake, and he praised God. But he couldn't until he came into an agreement with what God had said. His plans are not our plans. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And until we come into an agreement that He knows best, and He knows the whole picture, like in Paul Corinthians it says, and now I see part as a reflection in a mirror, but then I'll see it all. I'll see the big picture. Then I'll get it. Now I don't, and I have to be okay with that. Whatever you say, God, goes, and that's what it is. It's never too late in the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter how long we've been living in this unbelief, or how long we've made peace with powerlessness and I believe I can fall into this category and I'm tired of it I believe God has an unbelievable plan for my life and I need to start to believe it can you agree with that you can pray for me in your quiet time help Adam get it help Adam understand he has a calling on his life because I will listen to the enemy sometimes Do you do that sometimes? And I will start to agree with the enemy. And I will start to not believe what God is telling me, who I am through and in Him. And I'm tired of it. Can you get hungry for truth? Can you get hungry for belief again? I hope so. And I never really acknowledge this when I preach. But for those of you that are listening online right now, because this goes nationally, it goes globally to different countries... You're going to have an opportunity to respond just like we are in this church tonight. You can bow down at your end table, your coffee table, your chair, your living room, your bed. And it's time for you and all of us to start believing what God is calling it. Are you with the Lord tonight? I understand the times that we live in. But it's about us believing that I'm telling you, God is going to open our mouth, He's going to loose our tongue, and we're going to speak, and we're going to praise God, and we're going to make, make known His promises to all that are around us. It's going to happen. 
Luke 167 says Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and he prophesied. So when he finally agreed with God, not only was his tongue loosed, but he began to be filled with the Holy Ghost and now he's prophesying. Just like the 120 in Acts went into the upper room as failures, they come out in full power and they go to the marketplace and they're telling everybody and they have authority in Jesus' name. God, help me believe this. Help me believe this, Lord. See, all throughout Scripture, we've been given this demonstration of God's miraculous power through faith. And I believe that we could possibly be at the threshold of His return. I don't want to be found going down in silence, a.k.a. unbelief. Unbelief has to be one of the worst things. How can we limit the God of the universe? How can we limit the God of the universe who exhales stars and knows them all by name? And we limit Him in our own lives, but believe it for other people. And then go home and are depressed and oppressed by the enemy in our own thoughts. Tonight, God wants to loose your tongue. He wants to cause you to believe. It's time to agree with what he says. It's time to agree with what he calls it. I don't care if you've been saved. I don't, I don't like the phrase, I don't care. It doesn't matter if you've been saved for a few weeks, for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. It's time to start agreeing with what the Lord has for you. I want to choose to live. I want to choose to die on the side of faith, on the side of belief. I know, just like Pastor read this morning, that he can do exceedingly more, abundantly more and above, far beyond our highest prayers, desires, imaginations, thoughts. He can do it. It's encouraging when I read scriptures like that because it has nothing to do with me. And if we walk humbly before God, like Micah 6.8 says, he will do something in us and through us. He will move to make his name glorified once again to touch this generation. So I have a couple of questions for you as the lights start to dim and you can actually put that screen up and we'll start to come to the altar. What is the name of the thing that God has planted inside of you? What is it? What is, what is the Holy Spirit whispering to your heart? What is it? What is it? What is it? Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He doesn't kick it in. He's not going to force himself on anyone. He knocks. He's a gentleman. Just agree with what he's calling your life and he will loose your tongue because we've been sitting in silence as a church and as individuals for a long time if you are in a situation where this doesn't apply to you find someone to encourage and pray for them 